Oh, hello people in podcast land. Welcome back. I have returned in one piece from Ibiza, which was a very, very unique experience during the lockdown. Some of you that follow me on Instagram may have seen that mask wearing is mandatory on the street at the moment in 35 degree heat in the Balearic Islands of Spain, which was uh, a very different way to experience Ibiza. But I'm back feeling very refreshed, which is lovely beautiful change of scenery to get myself out there so uh yeah looking forward to getting stuck back into some more amazing episodes other than that i've got a lot of my time dedicated to the modern wisdom academy right now that is still maybe a month away maybe a little bit longer but it is consuming every waking moment of my time and i just can't wait to get it out it is by far the coolest thing that i've ever worked on so with that little bait dangling in front of you, let's get on to today's guest. Peter Ludwig is the CEO of Procrastination.com and has given keynote speeches around the world talking about procrastination. It is the bane of many a would-be productive person's life, the reason that you're looking at your phone when you know that you need to be completing that important email for work. So today, expect to learn how to train your willpower why finding meaning is a productivity tool, the relationship between failure, self-forgiveness, and high achievement, how to take an entire month off per year while becoming more productive, and much more. This is a really cool conversation, tons and tons to take away, lots of strategies that hopefully you'll be able to apply in an hour's time. You know, one hour from now, you're going to be a totally different person when it comes to the world of procrastination. In other news, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by The Protein Works. I'm pretty certain that the only reason I've stayed alive over the last few years of being a club promoter has been because of their Super Greens powder. If you are not getting enough greens and fruits in your diet, Super Greens is a fantastic way to bring up your micronutrients and keep your body moving forward correctly. I don't even think that vegans get enough vegetables and fruits in their diet. You know, like, No one does. No one does. So, supplement use a greens powder. It tastes fantastic. And it's just once a day. It's an easy way to take it. And it means that you've got all the different vitamins and minerals that you need moving through your body. Also, their vitamin D3. We have got a global pandemic running riot outside at the moment, and D3 is super important for immune function, so I highly recommend that. You can also see all of their protein powders, creatine, performance supplements, and everything else. All of the things that I recommend with 35% off at theproteinworks.com slash modernwisdom. If you use the code MODERN35, you'll get 35% off everything site-wide. You can't say better than that. 35% off something which is already cheap as hell. So theproteinworks.com slash modernwisdom. I'll follow the link in the show notes below. But for now, it's time for the wise and wonderful Peter Ludwig. procrastination the curse yeah. the curse of everyone's productivity you're going to yeah. guide us through the murky waters that are procrastination today right of course i will i love it so let's get into <laughs> it what is procrastination define it for us wow uh, is this situation when you know what to do but you are doing something very different so basically you know that you want to write a new book and you are spending uh, endless amount of uh, time on social media or you know that you have uh, 10 emails that are very important, but you are answering to those that are unimportant. So basically procrastination is a situation when you know what to do, but you are failing in doing that. Not fulfilling the things that you say that you're going to do is, right. is such a huge hole i think and it becomes it can quite easily become an existential crisis for a lot of people right because exactly if yeah. you don't have faith in your own word in the promises right. that you say you're going to keep to yourself the next time you say you're going to do something you have less faith in the fact that you're going to do it exactly and the, the main idea about procrastination is that procrastination is not a time management problem but it's emotional management problem so basically the more you fail the more you have negative emotions and then uh, the more you fail in the future. So it's like a feedback loop that reinforces itself. So the more you procrastinate, the more you procrastinate. So oh, that's no. why it's so, so uh, dangerous and uh, 
I think that it's, it's a um, main topic for 21st century. Basically, everyone is procrastinating and we see uh, that it's, it's much worse than it was like 10 uh, years ago because we have social media, we are overwhelmed uh, at work by so many emails, priorities. So I really believe this, that uh, to know how to fight procrastination is a key skill for not just to have a successful life, but to have a uh, like, happy life and calm life and not to be crazy i love it man where do we where do we start then we want to not procrastinate we want to be able to do the things we say that we are going to do to ourselves where do we begin looking at procrastination yeah uh in my book i have uh like three chapters and first chapter is about motivation how to find long-term intrinsic motivation and still i believe that this first chapter is is the key to understand why we procrastinate. Because uh, if we have right motivation, if we truly believe in what we are doing, if we see uh, meaning in that, then it's much easier to push ourselves. The second uh, chapter is about willpower, but willpower is, is just a, a little helper, but it's not the key for uh, procrastination. Because if you have strong willpower and you are pushing yourself to things that are meaningless to you, then at the end, you don't feel good. So. A first motivation and then willpower. I know a lot of people that they have strong willpowers and they are working on projects. They don't procrastinate, but uh, they are working on projects that they are not meaningful to them. So uh, strong willpower can backfire. Uh, so first, intrinsic motivation and then uh, willpower. And the third chapter is about how to overcome failures and how to get back on track when you uh, somehow fail or if you experience some like tough, tough uh, moments in your life, so how to get back on, on, on track. Got you. So meaning, how do we find meaning? How do we ensure the things <laughs> that we're doing are meaningful? Wow. No, no, yeah. no small question. <laughs> yep. Basically, I, I probably read all scientific papers about purpose at work, about meaning. And uh, the key to understand this topic is to really know your strengths and use your strengths doing something uh, greater than you. So not to be just selfish, but ask yourself how you can uh, use your strengths to do, do a, a something meaningful to, to others, how to improve uh, communities that you are part of, how to somehow slowly uh, improve the world, and so on. So using your strengths for others, is, uh, is, it seems that it's the key for long-term intrinsic motivation. So basically, those people that are just selfish, and uh, if you just want to have uh, more money, or if you want to uh, be uh, higher on uh, on a corporate ladder, that's not the right motivation because then you are still empty because uh, you are just self serving yourself. Well, a lot of people might say, "I'm at university, or I'm I'm doing a degree of some kind, or I'm studying. I want this degree." Yeah. Sometimes work feels a little bit like a, a drain, but I want I want this law degree, this doctor's degree, this marketing degree, whatever it might be. Um, but yet, when it's exam time, I still sit down at my desk and I get distracted. Mm -hmm. I don't do the things. It, what's happening there with meaning and, and procrastination? How do those two link in? Right. Uh, I do a lot of uh, projects with students too. And it's a huge difference if you are studying just because of the, uh, of the degree at the end or if you are studying because you really want to understand the law and then uh, help others or uh, be a good lawyer. So uh, intrinsic motivation is always about uh, purpose, long-term purpose, but extrinsic motivation is about goals. So, And if you read a lot of motivational books, uh, they tell you to set goals and I really don't believe in goals because it seems that if you have a goal, uh, then, uh, okay, it motivates you. But when you reach the goal, you experience what is called uh, hedonic adaptation. Yeah, you get used to uh, that goal uh, very quickly. So uh, there was a study and it seems that uh, like the positive emotion after you uh, finish your university or if you get, get a degree, it's only a few, few, few hours, maybe a few days, but then you are empty again. So this is <laughs> just studied, the pitfall. Potentially of, studied of, for five years. 
Yeah, for, for a to, couple to of hours of satisfaction. Of yeah. <laughs> and, and, and in, in a psychology, they call it hedonic adaptation. And it seems that we uh, adaptate also on, on the biggest uh, things, like if you win a, a Nobel Prize or if you win a, a gold Olympic medal, still the, the happiness, the lifespan of, the, of the, the, the happiness is one week or less. Shit. So I, I have a friend and I had a... Uh, in podcast, uh, and she, she she was a gold Olympic uh, medal winner, and what she told me was that uh, after she won won, won the medal, th- then the next uh, few days were crazy happy, and then she was empty. Like, and now what? I, I win the Olympics, so what's the next step? So, what's the I, alternative then? So, what's the alternative the, if we're not setting goals? What yeah. are we doing? Yeah, in in my book, I. Uh, describe two kinds of intrinsic motivation. One is intrinsic motivation on goals, and the second is uh, intrinsic motivation by, by, uh, by journey, uh, focusing on path rather than the destination. It's the old saying uh, uh, that, that the path is much more important than the destination is. But uh, it seems that the recent psychology uh, really uh, uncovered that it works like that. So basically... What we want is to uh, to be in a state of flow. If you do, if you're doing something and you enjoy the process, then you reach even more goals. If you are just focusing on goals and you don't enjoy the process, at the end, uh, it's much worse. So, uh, and I have a great example of one of uh, top hockey players, and they made an interview with him, and they asked him like, uh, "What is the core of your motivation?" Uh, his name is Jaromir Jagr. He's one of top uh, NHL players. And the answer was that uh, his motivation is that he loved the process. He loved trainings. He loved playing hockey. And if he loves playing hockey, at the end, he's winning medals. And it's not about medals. It's about the, the journey more than about the destination. So I truly believe in, in, in this. So basically, uh, if you love the process, you don't procrastinate doing those things because you already love the process. So that's why I'm focusing on a project that uh, I really enjoy doing. And at the end, you don't procrastinate it. How do people who perhaps don't have as much degrees of freedom to change what they want to do? You know, there's Mm -hmm. everybody's got to do their car insurance or file their taxes. You know, we can't Mm -hmm. find meaning in everything so is the rule to find meaning where we can and then is there an alternative strategy for in the things like the the taking the bins out the filing the the taxes what do we do there? right right uh i really don't like the uh the saying like uh do what you love because if you are telling people do what you love at the end uh, they don't know what they love so basically uh i'm telling like love what you do so uh for the in the beginning, you should try to find passion in things that you are already doing. And there is a lot of science behind that. It's uh, research from Amy Rezniecki from Yale University. And he calls this process a job crafting. Basically, it's about to ask yourself, like, what is your strengths and how you can use those strengths uh, on a daily basis? Or where's the meaning of your work, how you can increase the meaning, so how you can serve your clients even more, how you can do some little things that uh, can help your colleagues, can, uh, can make them happy, and so on and so on. So there's a process how to uh, craft your career, craft your, your uh, daily uh, working routine. And if you uh, change this uh, mindset about your work, at the end, you enjoy your work much more. So even though you, in the beginning uh, you don't like what you're doing, at the end you can do the same job but uh, with a different mindset. So it's more about mindset than uh, about the the real uh, work. I understand. I, I think one of the things that's interesting is when someone is on a on a path to a higher purpose for themselves. That might be be an amazing brother, mother, father, mm-hmm. you know, son or daughter to someone. It might be to do with contributing to their community, or it might be becoming the best athlete that they can mm-hmm. become all of the other things fall in line to be in service to that, right? You know, right. if you have to have the job that pays mm-hmm. the wage so that you can take three weeks off a year to go and race um, bicycling in France or whatever it might be, you're happy right. to go to work because you're like, look, 
I feel right. like yeah. my higher calling is this sport mm-hmm. and this all the the hours at work. Like, cool, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to get through it. But you're right. Like, I think a lot of people struggle with purpose and meaning because they're just spinning the wheels. They don't actually know what the reason yep. is for them doing the thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we recently had a, a couple of. Uh, podcasts that have touched on this as well but explore versus exploit being one of those paradigms is really important right Mm -hmm. in the beginning try all the different things greg McEwen from essentialism was on talking about this Mm -hmm. all the different things that you can do what do i like this no do i like this no do i like this yeah it's exactly yeah Yeah, it's okay it's okay and then eventually you find something that actually is the reason that you're here and that might change over time but just find something mm-hmm. that allows you to transcend the challenge. Yeah. So, okay, I like I like the the meaning and 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 stuff like that. Moving on to willpower, what do, what do we know about willpower? How can we utilize willpower for uh, reducing our procrastination? Yeah, it seems that willpower can be trained in the long term. So basically, uh, they made some research on identical twins, and it seems that one of those twins, if they are uh, raised in different families, can have strong willpower, and the second can has very weak willpower. So it seems that it's not that much inborn. Basically, okay, it's inborn um, for, let's say, 30-40%, but those 60-70% are in your hands. So that's a good news. And the best way how to train uh, your willpower is really to exercise. Basically, we have one willpower for all domains. So if you do like 20 push-ups daily, uh, and if I scan your brain on uh, fMRI, uh, what we can see is not that just your muscles are growing in the long term, but also your prefrontal cortex, the, the, this part of the brain that is uh, evolved for, for willpower. So the good news is with uh, regular exercise, you can really improve your willpower. And if you have stronger willpower uh, from, from do, doing exercise, then you can, uh, you can use this stronger willpower at your work, uh, in your relationship, and so on. So this is the, the, the first way how to boost your willpower, to exercise daily. Physical exercise. Physical exercise, right. And the second uh, way how to improve your willpower is uh, to manage better your emotions. So mindfulness techniques can really uh, boost your productivity. There was a, a scientific study like one or two years ago, and they linked mindfulness with, with, with uh, willpower, with procrastination. And basically the outcome of the study was that uh, the more you meditate, the stronger your, your willpower is. So it's a good news. So to, to boost your willpower, you just need to uh, spend 10 minutes alone uh, daily and do some mindfulness techniques and uh, be able to uh, self-regulate better and be able to uh, overcome some bad emotions with, with uh, calmness. Mm. It's interesting as we're talking about this, like a lot of what some of the listeners might have expected as we were talking about how to overcome procrastination in 2020, it would have been um, a bunch of hacks. Like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, this particular, use rescue time on your MacBook and keep your phone outside of your bedroom and no. do this and no. do that and do the other. We're, we're going more high level than that, right? Right, because that's the only way how to solve procrastination. I think that uh, procrastination is, is like a red, red blinking light and it's telling you, you don't have a right motivation. You don't see purpose at your work or you, you don't have uh, a strong willpower. It's, it's, it's not about uh, installing a new app. Come on. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but the, the fact of the matter is that we are told in mm-hmm. this gig economy with constant new courses being released or a, a new application or this MacBook or whatever it might be, that that is the tool, right? That that is the thing which is going mm-hmm. to fix it. And it seems like that's just the icing on top of the cake. Yep. yep. I, I, I truly believe that uh, the solution is it's much, much deeper. For example, there was another interesting study and the study was about self-forgiveness. And it it seems that uh, if you are able to forgive yourself after you fail, then you procrastinate less. And Ooh, uh, the idea behind that is that uh, if you are unable to for, uh, to do self-forgiveness, to, mm, then, then you have much more negative emotions and it can backfire again. So sometimes when you fail, you're, uh, it's not about failure that much. It's about your mindset about the failure. And if you are able to forgive yourself and if you are fine with that and you are okay, uh, I was able to run uh, for two weeks and now I failed. 
just forgive yourself and start again. And uh, th that's why self-forgiveness is one of uh, those hacks how to uh, decrease your procrastination. And it's very counterintuitive. Yeah. Be so, nice to yourself. So accept means, yourself for not achieving the thing you said you were going to do. Right. So it's just the, the opposite of what you should expect. Yeah. So uh, we often think that those people that they are uh, hard to themselves, they procrastinate less, but that's not truth because they are in even worse situation. Because they, they are hard to themselves, but at the end, they have much more negative emotions when they fail. And that uh, failure... Uh, pains themselves like oh, three times more than if you are able to forgive. Mm. You, you're right. I can see, I know a, a ton of buddies who will be listening <clears throat> that will lambast themselves. They're the self-flagellation, right? They'll, right, they'll yeah. whip themselves into wanting to do more because it's easy to think that that's the solution. I didn't yeah. do enough. I need to lean into this even more so. But what we were talking about at the beginning, I love this idea of having trust in your own word, like being able mm -hmm. to keep promises to yourself. Like if you trust that you're going to keep a promise to yourself and you break it, you don't make it better by telling yourself, oh, you're such an idiot. Like you right. need to do better next yeah. time. Yeah. What do you because do? Like think about what happens with a friend. You and a friend get into an argument. Mm -hmm. They're a dick or you're a dick or you're both dicks or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, you exactly. say, hey man, look, I'm sorry let's go for a coffee, uh, let's put that behind us, let's move on. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, that, and you, you need a, a self-esteem to be productive. So if you are undermining yourself, then at the end uh, you don't trust in yourself and you have much higher risk to fail again. So I think it's much wiser to be nice to yourself. Yeah, I mean, Jordan yeah. Peterson, <laughs> be friends, uh, treat yourself as if you are someone yeah, you are responsible exactly, for helping. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's such a wonderful worldview, but it's so hard, right? Especially if you you want to be driven, type A personality, you want to do the, the work and, and be as good as you can. It's a slippery slope to go from mm -hmm. um, thinking I am able to accept when I don't meet my own standards mm -hmm. to... I am simply allowing myself to be lazy. I am allowing myself. And that line, right? right? Yeah. Finding where that line is, is difficult. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I, I have a great tool for that because uh, I told myself this year to only work uh, for four days in a week. So I have one day off. And basically, uh, in that day, I'm much more productive because I don't have to be productive. So, and for me, it's, it's, it's the best day in a week because, uh, I don't plan anything. So I don't have meetings. I don't have webinars. It's just, uh, it's just a free day, but I wake up, then I'm like doing some unimportant things. And then I'm like, okay, what's the most important thing to do now? And basically in, in that day, I'm working on the most important projects and I, I love it because I don't have to. So it's it's uh, just the opposite motivation uh, to to compare to other days when I have to. If I have a meeting, I have to be there. But uh, that day, I also can have a meeting, but I really want to have that meeting. So it's it's just the opposite mindset, and I really recommend this uh, like tool or hack to, to all my clients because uh, it's an investment into your uh, mental health well i mean isn't it google that gives its employees 20 percent of their time to work on whatever they want to do i think that they used to do that now they cancel this rule but uh they had this rule in the beginning of google, of google. now they don't have this rule That's anymore a shame. but but uh, Sergio, what me, are you doing listen to <laughs> us we're talking about procrastination yeah and uh i, I come up to to, the, to the, this idea uh, when I go on a holiday I always book one day before a holiday like holiday before a holiday <laughs> and then I book one more day after the holiday like holiday after holiday and if you have this like um, bump uh, bumper plate bump, so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it works much better because you are not in in, in that uh, high level of stress that tomorrow I have to go <laughs> For a vacation. Man, like I, I travel quite a bit, or at least I used to before there was a pandemic. Um, right. <laughs> and and um, I think I went on like 10, 10 or 12 holidays last year. 
And the number of times where one of my housemates will say to me, hey man, like are you all, are you all set for tomorrow? I'll be like, oh dude, no, I got so much to do before I can even think about leaving tomorrow. Like I gotta you do this and mm. you prep the podcast and do this that, and the other. And um, you're totally correct. Like you, so much of our enjoyment in life comes from the anticipating of things. We are anticipatory beings, right? We, right. In, fa- yeah. in fact, there's some fairly good research that shows we enjoy the anticipation of something more than the thing itself, which is right. which is super, yeah. super yeah. interesting. But yeah. like, I ruin that. I ruin a, a big chunk of that <laughs> because I work right up until the limit. Like, I remember, mm-hmm. I remember sometimes I would get like an early morning flight and I would pull an all nighter before the flight on holiday and then obviously like mm. the first day of my holiday was just a complete like wreck yeah, yeah. It was just total <laughs> chaos trying to recover from the day yeah. that allowed me to go on holiday yeah and i have another example of that is uh japan i go to japan every year for one month and i do nothing there it's, it's just my like empty em- empty month I- i'm not writing a book there i'm not working on new projects i'm just there and it's an investment uh, because the months after I'm back from Japan, I'm like three times more productive because you restart everything in your brain. You restart your willpower again. You, you, you are back uh, uh, in, in the mood that you, you are able to do things because you, you, your uh, brain is restarted. So I really recommend to have long holidays, to really do nothing for three, three four weeks. And at the end, uh, you are much more productive. So if you uh, sum the whole productivity of the year, it's bigger uh, altogether, even though you spend one month doing nothing. So uh, th- this is this was the, the best for my productivity and for my procrastination, not how about, being in Japan. How, yeah. how about people who have concerns that they might fall out of a um, good habits whilst they're away? So they go to japan or texas or romania or wherever it is for a month and they just they're getting up whenever they want and they're not they're not in the rhythm of training or working or doing whatever and they're scared that when they get back they're not going to have that routine and it's gonna they, they're just gonna all the habits gonna be out the window yeah then you have to ask why you want to have those routines and often you want to routines because you don't have willpower to push yourself to those things. And if you spend one month alone, then you have much stronger willpower. So then you don't need routines that much. So the answer is that after you're back, you are doing everything much uh, easier and uh, everything is very easy after being uh, back from such a long holiday. And the second very important argument for for this is that uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I have 35 employees and I do business for let's say 14 15 years now and for me uh this is the definition of the freedom to be able to spend one month alone and not to be a slave in your own company so i really had to change many things and many many many, uh processes in my company to make the company ready for me to not be there and when I moved to the U.S., because uh, I moved to the U.S. two two months uh, two years ago, uh, at the end the company was ready for me to not to be there, and uh, that was the best in my life because now I'm very free. I can do whatever I want, and the company works uh, without me. So, have you read the E Myth, the Entrepreneur's Myth, the book? No, no. Okay, no. so in that they talk about the fact that. If you have a business or if you're a business owner and you can't leave that business for more than two weeks without everything breaking, you mm-hmm. don't have a business. You right. you just wow. have you yeah. have a highly leveraged job. <laughs> you'd love you'd love that book, exactly. Randy Emith. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's a it's fantastic. Um so okay, we've got the fact that we need purpose and meaning. We need to find that we're getting that through explore and exploit. We're also trying to connect to a mm-hmm. higher purpose. That higher purpose also tends to be serving other people, transcending ourselves. People, uh, right. The listeners who heard my most recent episode with Scott Barry Kaufman on his book, Transcend, which is all about Maslow's hierarchy mm-hmm. of needs, they'll know that already. Um, and after that, we're talking about willpower. We know that willpower ebbs and flows and it can be trained, that we need to do physical exercise. And what was the second thing that we need to do? Mindfulness. Mindfulness. Uh, to re- regulate your emotions. 
Cool. Okay. Because as I said in the beginning, procrastination is emotional problem rather than time management problem. I love it. Um, before we move on from willpower, what side of the fence do you sit on about whether or not you get willpower depletion through the day or not? Yeah, basically, I believe in depletion because uh, I, my experience is whenever I'm tired, it's much more difficult to push myself to do things. And whenever I'm tired, I procrastinate uh, much more and uh, it's easier to me to uh, drink beers and so on. So I believe in depletion during the day, but I truly believe that uh, you can overcome the depletion with small rest during the day. So basically sometimes I'm much, I'm uh, tired and then I have a big talk for let's say 500 people. And at the end of the talk, I have uh, new energy and uh, I'm able to restart everything. And uh, I truly believe that working on projects that are meaningful uh, are not draining your energy, but they give, uh, they give you the energy. So that's why uh, if you procrastinate, at the end, you are empty. But if you are working on me- meaningful projects, at the end, you have even more energy than uh, at the beginning. That's the problem I have when I do this podcast, because yeah. I'm often recording with people in <laughs> exactly. America, and that, yeah. that recording time tends to be about <laughs> 6 or 7 p.m. at night. And then I've got to try and wind down, and I'm going to bed at like 10 o'clock, yeah. and my mind's still buzzing. <laughs> yeah, exactly, about yeah. all of the cool yeah. stuff we've just talked about. So, yeah, I, I, I get that a lot. The reason that I wanted to ask, some of the listeners who haven't delved into the ongoing internet battle that is, is ego depletion true or is it not? There does seem to be this constant, like first Roy Baumeister does a study and then you say yes. And then there's someone else who says no. And then it's yes and no. And it's just like, like trends with, is it cool to have skinny jeans or loose jeans? (laughs) Or is it cool to wear like a sleeveless t-shirt or a t-shirt with sleeves? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I truly believe that both sides are right because uh, sometimes it's uh, depleting, but sometimes not. So I, I, I believe that uh, if you read all those arguments, it's not like uh, black or white. I think that the truth is again somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So it's possible it be both. Yeah. The, the, funniest, uh, the funniest argument that I've heard so far for ego depletion is ego depletion exists if you believe it exists. <laughs> Have you heard that yeah, one? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it can be like so, that. So yeah, I'm yeah, like, it can be like that. Yeah. Fuck. Like, what do I need to? Can I unlearn? Can I unlearn yeah. the word ego depletion? Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, man. Okay, so that's two chapters down. Third chapter. Uh, third chapter was about uh, handling failure, and I truly believe in some uh, like deep experiences, and uh, I want to explain you more in detail what uh, those experiences are. Uh, I have two examples that I experienced something that is called near-death experience. First was that uh, I was like 19 years old and I was playing basketball and I had some like brain uh, um, kind of paralysis and after a few hours right side of my, my body was completely paralyzed. And Holy shit. Uh, it was the first situation in my life that I was uh, experiencing the situation when you really think that you can die and Fuck. it was fucking scary <laughs> but so uh, it really changed my, my 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 values it was very humbling experience so um i was in the hospital i was thinking that that's the end of my life but at the end uh i survived that after a few days without any side side harm side, side effects so Basically, it, it was the best uh, experience because since then, I'm thinking slightly differently about uh, what is meaningful or what's not. So, for example, during the pandemic, uh, I only saw one uh, film on my Netflix. Only one. Because what was the film? I really don't want to waste my time. What did you watch? What was the film? Oh, uh, it was serious about Donald Trump, and I oh, was it the only American saw... Dream thing? Yeah, it was. That's it was. good. And that was... is pretty good. That's, worth, that's a worthwhile series to watch. <laughs> yeah. So and um, and after the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I switched everything, and I was wor- working on the, on the project masks for all to help as many people as possible to wear a face mask and so on. So I switched my focus from procrastination to face mask from one day to another. So I spent like three weeks in a row every day, like 12 hours uh, doing on that project. 
Wow. So and it was very meaningful. So I, I was not procrastinating. I remember when I have got a number, a uh, te- uh, telephone number for for one lady that is uh, one of top executives from uh, WHO, and I called her directly because I didn't procrastinate it because I was in like, okay, if I procrastinate, uh, there are people dying. So it it, it was uh, the most fulfilling. Period in my life, the beginning Man, of the pandemic. That's so good. I I, I watched. Um, I'm going to give you a a potential second thing to watch on Netflix during the mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Okay. And the guys mm-hmm. from Vox have done a series called Explained, and it's mini mini documentaries that are around about 20 minutes long. And they've done one on the coronavirus, and it's three parts. Okay. And the first part explains how a virus works. It talks about sort of the biology of what viruses mm-hmm. are. Um, and then the second one talks about the implications, I think, more nationally and internationally. And then the final one talks about what vaccines are and how vaccines work. And dude, okay, like, cool. when you look, I think there's about 70 to 100 vaccines that are the front runners. And there's maybe two or three that are really at the, at the, at the mm-hmm. um, highest likelihood of this. And when you speak see the epidemiologists and the virologists and the vaccine creators in their labs these people are living eating sleeping everything in their laboratory they're not they're not having problems with procrastination right you know yeah because they're doing something meaningful and they're using their strengths so it's just interconnected what was the second what was the second story yeah uh the second story was that uh it was 2015 and i had a flight from amsterdam to prague and after the takeoff, after like 15 minutes after the takeoff, our right engine blew up and there was fire. And yeah, you really don't want Holy to experience that shit. during the air flight, but I experienced something uh, terrible and uh, we had to uh, perform emergency landing. So the thing that they are telling you in the beginning, like uh, put your head in front uh, between your uh, knees and so on. Yeah. I really experienced that in, oh my in person. God. So, and it was terrible because I was sitting just next to the engine. So the, the guy, uh, um, next to me told me like, look, there is fire. And I was like, no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> don't remind me, mate. All right. And, and chill out. Uh, it took us around like 15, 20 minutes to, uh, to, to land. And those were like the longest 15, 20 minutes in my Did life. Did you land at an airport? Uh, yeah, we we get back to the uh, Amsterdam to to, to Amsterdam uh, airport, Shit. but but only with one engine and uh, the airplane was shaking and it was uh, very noisy. So Amsterdam, it was like, to, <laughs> Amsterdam to Prague will be a small plane. It's not a big seven four seven, right? No, it, it, it was just the, the the standard size plane, like the, the normal one. Yeah. But it was quite scary, and when we landed, a uh, few people were crying there, and we were hugging each other. And the uh, the pilot, uh, he he went outside of his cockpit and he shake the hand with all passengers, and it was a very strong experience. And again, uh, if you experience something like that at the end, uh, it's very humbling. Since then, I'm like thinking, okay. Like uh, how to really invest my time wisely? What are those main things to do? And I really don't want to—I want to waste my time with social media, for example, because it's—it's it's mostly meaningless. You are just consuming things, but you are not creating, and so on. So uh, I think that the coronavirus is similar to those two uh, stories from my life because uh, we were all in the similar situation. We were in danger of pandemic and uh, I want the coronavirus to be similar to those two uh, near-death experiences of myself for the whole society and I truly believe that we can change because the the old world had many problems yeah so I truly believe that we need some changes in societies around the world like we are many societies are divided uh, Many people are working uh, on projects that they don't believe. So th- there is a huge lack of meaning at work. And uh, kindness is, is not a virtue for, for m- many people. So I really believe that this, this situation can change uh, things. Man, I, I couldn't agree more. There's a, a ton of quotes and, and thinkers that I've been uh, referring to recently, one of them being Naval Ravikant. And he says, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. 
and that touches on the social media thing. Like, what's the prize? Right. What's the prize for always checking your Instagram three times a day? Like, you don't yep. get anything for that. You just mm-hmm. satisfy yourself. There's this quote yep. from uh, Jean-Paul Sartre here that I've got. It is our duty to risk the easy and commonplace for the unique and great, to work toward our full potential in the face of all obstacles, including ourselves, to take responsibility for our life and what we make of it. Ultimately, no matter what we do or say or believe, there will always be a great many who disagree or judge or ridicule or become upset by our decisions, but it is of essential importance that we try as often as possible to ensure that among these people, our self is not one of them. Yeah. That's it, man. That's it. Incredible. Yeah. I love uh, it. And I truly believe that we are all on the same boat because uh, we are all global citizens. And uh, I have experience living in Europe, in the U.S., in, in Asia, in Japan, and what I feel is that we are all the same. We have the same Instagrams, we have the similar struggles. The virus basically was everywhere. So now we know that we are on the same boat, so why not to cooperate more? Why not to be more uh, collaborative as, uh, as a mankind? Because we are divided by so many stupid things. <laughs> uh. Man, it, again, it just... It's so counter to, I think, innately what we feel we should do because maybe a little bit of social norms, you see these guys crushing it, always working hard, mm. type A mentality, me with my Rolex, me with my fast car, me with my big yeah. house. Um, but every single person that I know that is well-respected within the field of evolutionary mm-hmm. psychology or uh, cognitive uh, psychology or leadership or organizational psych, everything, everyone says that the best way to improve your life is to improve other people's lives. And it's right. th- there's not some big fucking conspiracy going on here. There's not, <laughs> there's not like some Masonic right. lodge yeah. hiding with big cloaks over their heads yeah. in a darkened room with a big pentagram on the floor saying, mm. we need to get everyone to think that they need to work with each other so it makes yeah. it easier for everyone else. That's not the way it is. All of you yeah. guys, everyone that is an expert in this field is mm. converging on the same outcome because... Right. There is truth in it. Yeah. And I truly believe that we have only one enemy and that's our ego. Because uh, if you have a big ego, like if you are egoistic and you, if you think about yourself, then it's very difficult for you to help others because you are only thinking about yourself. So humbleness in my world is uh, the key uh, antidote for, for the ego. So basically those uh, near-death experiences or those difficult moments, uh, those humbling experiences, then help you to help others more because then you understand that the world is is not about yourself. It's more about others because if you are, if, if you die, well, the, the life continues without you. So that's why you should help others and improve the society because it uh, you live your life after in those people that's your legacy right it's your legacy and it's your immortality if 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 you are self selfless so being selfish selfish is is is, uh, very uh how how to describe it like being selfish is 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 is, uh, not that wise Let's say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. How do you um? How do you have? How do you hold in reality at the same time the fact that humbleness mm-hmm. is a virtue which helps you to remove mm-hmm. the ego, which is bad for you, but you need to be able to have pride in doing things well to encourage you to continue to do things well. How do you hold those two things together? I truly believe that it's not one or another, but you can have both. You can be like healthy, egoistic, like focusing on others, but being able to say no being able to have your uh, private room uh, that you are able to uh, have your time for yourself and so on. So basically, if you are too selfless, for example, those mothers that they are only investing their time in, in their kids and they, are, uh, they don't have their uh, hobbies anymore and so on, they're not that good mothers at the end. So uh, being like healthy selfish means that you invest in your uh health you invest your time in 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 your sleep and at the end if you are healthy selfish you have energy to help others even more so and it's all about to have a courage to say no because you you have to uh have uh time for yourself 
I understand. To help others. Okay, so talk to us about how near-death experiences and being humble relates to failure and procrastination. Uh, I truly believe that everyone experienced something similar. Everyone experienced failure. Everyone experienced uh, some problems in their relationships and so on. And being able to like overcome those problems in terms of uh, like changing your mindset about those failures is a is a key for boosting your self esteem for the future. And then you procrastinate less. So basically, what I advise is to uh, do a simple. Uh, exercise like to take a, a blank piece of paper and uh, write down uh, the graph of your happiness during your your life so for example when you were uh, when you was a kid it was nice then then studies it was bad it was good again and so on so basically have your like uh, lifetime uh, graph of your happiness and if you are somewhere down those are those moments that uh, are the best in terms of uh, if you recognize what this situation gave you, for example, in terms of your values, for example, if you ask yourself like how that situation shaped your values. For example, my near-death experience, uh, the first one shaped my values because since then I don't want to waste my time. So I appreciate time much, much more than before. So even though it was like very unpleasant experience, at the end, it changed uh, my life in a positive manner, in, in a positive way. So, and I truly believe that everyone has those uh, situations. And if you ask yourself how this situation uh, helped uh, shape your values or w- what was the positive outcome of that, then uh, you can gather some, uh, some wisdom for the future and you have much more positive emotions and then you procrastinate less because you know that even though you fail, then you gain something uh, positive. So you don't, you are not afraid about failure that much. Does that mean that traumatic experiences are better learning opportunities than right. successful yeah. experiences? Yeah. It, 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 there, there, there is a huge meta-analysis from 2009 about uh, post-traumatic growth. And it seems that uh, if you have a traumatic event, then you can have post-traumatic uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, or you can have post-traumatic growth. Uh, and the, the key or the difference between those two people is really the mindset. So basically, there are many examples of uh, survivals of uh, concentration camps. And at the end, they lived to their 90s, 100s, and they wrote uh, many books and they lived a, uh, many fulfilled uh, fulfill lives. But uh, there are it's also examples of many people that after uh, they uh, liberated those camps, they commit suicide. So, and basically, uh, I truly believe that not the situation, but our mindset about the situation shapes uh, the future for us. So even though I survived two near-death experiences, <laughs> I think that uh, I'm very happy that I experienced those two events, even though it was so so scary i know i said this at the very beginning of the coronavirus that it's one of the few things that can unite us as a species right it doesn't exactly it doesn't even rain everywhere on the planet at the same time but i know what it feels like to be in lockdown the same as someone in italy the same as someone in america the same as someone in brazil or wuhan you know i know what i don't have the perfect but i i'm united i'm reading um toby ord his book, mm-hmm. his new book, The Precipice, and it's uh, mm-hmm. he's from the Future of Humanities Institute, and it's all about mm-hmm. existential risk. And it's like, yep. make no mistake about this, we are a thin veneer of surviving on top of what is everything is trying to kill us, from natural yep. risks to anthropo- uh, anthropologic, anthrop, whatever it is that risk mm-hmm. to the uh, to future risks that are going to come from bioweapons, yep. from uh, artificial general intelligence, whatever it might be. And he, yep. this is this guy, has written. Uh, 500 page, 400 page book on it from the mm-hmm. premier existential risk department in the world. And he puts our chance of surviving the next 100 years at 50%. Mm-hmm. Why? Like that, that is a reason to live your life. That is a reason to try and find the most meaning, to try and be the best person that you can be. And again, like when you reframe that and you realize I've spent, uh, 150 hours during lockdown watching Netflix movies that I didn't even like. Yeah. It it does 
shine quite a harsh light onto that. And that's not no. me saying I don't do it. Like I waste my time just as much as anyone, but you know what I mean? No, I, I have a great example. Like when I started to do movement masks for all with the first video, uh, it, it was the most fulfilling experience in my life because uh, slowly after a few days, uh, people started to wear face masks outside uh, here in Prague. And then uh, I took my uh, good friend and uh, she, she was studying uh, in LA. She's, she's a, a di- director and we made a uh, English video and the video went viral. Now uh, the campaign masks for all has uh, reached more than 1.2 billion. So oh we basically God. made a video. That, and that was uh, your video? In, that was your it was, idea? It was well, my and her, uh, her video. And it was featured in CNN, BBC, in the main media around the world. And uh, then That's it so was good. shared by, by few uh, few American uh, senators and few candidates on a U.S. president and politicians around the world. But from both sides, bo- both parties. For example, Ivanka Trump shared the, the, the picture that she, she is suing uh, her own face masks. And uh, it was incredibly positive uh, moment of, of my life when I saw that we are all united in front of the virus. And it was so strong to me because uh, now we have volunteers everywhere uh, around the world. Basically, we have more than 1,000 volunteers in New Zealand, for example. And... Uh, the solution for the pandemic was to really wear a face mask. And now there is a lot of new scientific evidence that it really works. So, and it started with, with my simple video and then another video, and then it went viral. And Dude. now 70 plus countries have uh, masks mandatory. Peter, man, and we have evidence that it's really started with the video. Like, That's so, <laughs> you've managed to change the world. What a, what a, what a thing to do. Okay, so I want to I want to kind of bookend what we know about procrastination. We've given ourselves right. a nice framework there. Let's say someone's listening and they just keep procrastinating. They've got a bunch of tasks that they've got to get done. Maybe they don't quite have the degrees of freedom to be able to not do them. They can't get rid of them to find meaning. You're sitting down now to start to do the things that you have to do. What would you say or what are some of the things that those people can do in terms of actual takeaway tactics that will actually move the needle for them? Well, do 20 push-ups daily. (laughs) Basically, do exercise on a daily basis because it really uh, can boost your willpower. Uh, Ask yourself what is uh, the real reason why you are doing those things. So what is the purpose? So basically ask the question, why? Why are you doing those things? And how you can uh, improve those things that you are doing in terms of uh, greater uh, meaning. So how can you add some small details that can help your clients or your colleagues uh, even more? And then um, ask what are your strengths and how you can improve those, those strengths. Because uh, if you already believe in what you are doing and if you believe that you are skilled in those domains, you enjoy the process even more and focus on the process more than uh, the destination. So goals are not important because we are getting used to them because of the hedonic adaptation. So try to enjoy the process more and try to enjoy every minute. And uh, I call this healthy perfectionism because uh, I have this concept from Japan. So whatever you do, try to uh, do it as as good as possible. And if you are focused on details, you enjoy the process even more. So... That's cool. I I noticed today you haven't mentioned anything about next actions about next physical actions or about breaking large tasks down into their next iterative step. Is there a reason yeah. for that? No, I, I have this in my book too, but I think this, it's uh, too obvious. So I wanted to discuss some non-intuitive uh, uh, ideas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for the people who don't see it as obvious, would you be able to explain the concept of using a next action? Okay, for example, when I was uh, writing the book, uh, in the beginning, I told myself, well, uh, write a chapter. So I had in my to-do plan, write a chapter. And write a chapter is a huge uh, task. So uh, I had a very negative emotion towards uh, that task. But if you uh, 
like cut the the big thing into smaller parts, uh, then it's much easier. So, for example, if you told, uh, tell yourself to write two paragraphs daily, it's much easier than to write a, a whole chapter. So basically, this is a key hack how to overcome procrastination. So if you procrastinate something, just cut the task in the middle or uh, divide the task into three smaller tasks, and then uh, it's much easier. Because, as I said, procrastination is emotional problem. So you have to really decrease the negative emotion, uh, the aversion against the, uh, the task. And if you divide the task, then you have a smaller negative emotion. I like that. I like that a lot. I think the the marrying of the big overarching meaning-based conceptual mm-hmm. stuff with breaking things down so for instance the next action is one of them i know that you have uh, on your website you talk about um a lot of the time people might not continue a task because they don't actually know what to do next right, right? Yeah. like what what should i do and you talk about mm-hmm. i think it's um go and do some research or ask someone for advice so those are the two mm-hmm. yeah yeah well, i mean the number of times that people sit down to try and do a task and they procrastinate on it because they don't actually know how to do the thing that they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, if you don't know how to do the thing you're trying to do, you're right. not going to yeah. do the thing that you're trying to do, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's why I love some uh, like visual plans, like mind maps. You can, you can, uh, for example, if you are starting a new project, I highly recommend to start with a mind map because then you know like what to do next. For example, uh, when I was writing the book, I had a mind map for each chapter. And when I was about to write, I already had a map and it told me like, today you should write about uh, willpower, for example. And uh, to have a visual plan helps you to know what to do uh, next. So it's, it's like a, a real map. If you are lost in a, in a city uh, without map, you are confused. But if you have a map, then you know what to do next. So uh, I re- highly recommend you to have mind maps for every project that you are working on. Yeah, I, I'm someone who naturally doesn't plan a whole lot um which i know yeah it's is shocking um but the more that i've trained myself to be able to do it i mm. it it changes it's, it's such a game changer and i think um previously i had a resistance to planning because i thought this time that i'm spending planning could be spent doing i don't uh. need to do the plan i can just start doing it this is all wasted time mm. why would i spend 2 hours planning something i can get 2 hours of work in what you don't realize is that that time at the beginning makes such a difference. You're like 10 times more efficient, mm-hmm. like 100 times more efficient. Exactly, yeah. 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 Uh, 100% right. Yeah. With, with writing, it's, it's, it's like that because if, if you sit and uh, tell yourself, okay, now write, you don't know what to write. <laughs> if you have a good plan and if you have a uh, like mind map for uh, almost every paragraph of the book, then it's much easier to write. You just write what, and you know what to write. So um, like if you spend some time with planning, at the end, as you said, you are 10 times more productive. Yeah. Probably. Man. Peter, yeah. It's, it's, that's awesome, man. <laughs> Anything else to say? Any final notes that we haven't covered today? Any bits that people need to know about procrastination? Well, uh, I really want people to really rethink their lives in era of the, the virus and I truly uh, and highly recommend people to um, be more humble after the, the crisis. So humbleness should be the um, outcome of the uh, crisis. So that, that, that was the main uh, uh, idea for, for me for today, I guess. Man, I think, um, well, anyone that's leaving the last few months anyone that's leaving 2020 and mm-hmm. feeling like it's time to have it to build an ego up like you just haven't existed in the same reality that yep. the rest of us have yep. like how can you see this as anything other than wow mortality and humanity are so tenuous and so delicate and yeah. Yeah. I, I, and you know it does say a lot for the way that people are developing that I'm speaking to my neighbors more as I do a morning walk yeah. now and people yeah. are coming up and they seem to be, I haven't seen road rage. Like, do you remember road mm-hmm. rage? I haven't seen road rage in like four months. There's no mm-hmm. road rage. Everyone's, uh, this guy's having a bad time. This is challenging. There's, there's more yeah. understanding, more empathy, right? So yeah. maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe that's what's going to happen or perhaps people's memories are going to be short and it's going to take mother nature to fire another shot across our bow 
for us to realize right, yeah. that, that we need to get our egos in check. Right. Yeah. So probably this crisis can help us. And if not, we need another crisis. So <laughs> fine. Well, I'll tell you what, if we do, if we haven't fixed it, you can just order us another crisis. Right. Amazon, yeah. Amazon probably have a couple of crises that you can just buy. So go and get yourself one of there. Um, where can people get your book, Peter? And what else should they check out? What do you want to plug? Uh, send people yeah, it's, to? it's very easy. Our domain is procrastination.com. So you can remember it easily. And it's, I guess, everywhere. It's in 18 languages now. So we have Japanese translation, Korean translation, many uh, European languages. So you can get uh, the book in your favorite language. Man, I love it. And then what about you? Are you on on social media? People want to check you out? Yeah, of course. It's at P-E-T-R-L-U-D-W-I-G. So my name and surname. And uh, I'm mostly on LinkedIn and Instagram. I don't like Facebook that much because my timeline is full of uh, crazy political uh facebook's a cesspool man facebook's Facebook's been never been as bad as it has now you know what the final the the final fatality of covid19 is facebook news feeds that's what it is right right and they really pay the best uh addictologists around the world to make the timeline more addictive to you so basically it's your uh like a personal tabloid for you and it's all about your emotions. So they know what uh, makes you crazy. So um, so that's why my uh, timeline is f- f- full of Trump, 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 Trump. <laughs> I get you. Look, man, Peter, it's been it's been great. I hope that it's helped, helped a lot of people to get over their procrastination. Uh, everything that we've spoken about will be linked in the show notes below. If you've got any questions, comments, or feedback, you know where to get them, at X or find Peter online and give him, give him some hassle as well. Dude, thank you so much, and congratulations on your amazing social campaign for the, uh, for the masks. And Chris, thank you so much for this interview. I really enjoyed that. And next time, we should do that uh, in person because, yes. yeah. I'm in I with, don't with masks. like to do everything online. So yeah, we can do it in masks. <laughs> so cool, thank man. you for having me and uh, listeners. Take care and stay safe. 